Capital Market Insights from ICMA. Welcome to this ICMA podcast on the topic of global and regional perspectives in climate transition finance. My name is Nicholas Pfaff. I'm a managing director at ICMA and I'm the head of sustainable finance. ICMA published the Climate Transition Finance Handbook in December 2020 after its finalization by the GBP Executive Committee. This handbook provides guidance on how issuers can elaborate, benchmark, and communicate their transition strategies, as well as how both use of proceeds bonds, such as green bonds, and sustainability-linked bonds can finance their implementation. It has also recently been used as a key reference for Japan's official guidance on climate transition finance. Today, we are very lucky to have three speakers to discuss climate transition finance and to kindly provide us with both regional and global perspectives. I'm going to start by introducing Motoko Ogawa, who is the Deputy Director of Environmental Economy Office at Japan's MITI. We also have Chris Igo, who is the Chief Investment Officer at AXA Investment Management Core. And we have Ketish Pothaningam, Executive Vice President, Portfolio Manager at PIMCO, but also a senior member of the Green One Principles Executive Committee. Ketish, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start with you. As a member of the Green One Principles Executive Committee, can you tell us what was the thinking behind the handbook? Hello, Nicholas. As you say, my name is Ketish Pothlingham. I'm a portfolio manager at PIMCO and a member of PIMCO's ESG team. And also I'm a member of ICMA's GBP Executive Committee. The thinking behind the Climate Transition Finance Handbook was driven by the desire to establish a clear guidance for issuers who wished to access the markets via climate-related finance. And they wanted to do it in a credible manner, which would then allow the investors to know and to be comfortable with the, the level of disclosure from those issuers was sufficiently robust and credible and gave investors comfort is that the issuer themselves understood what was required of them in terms of the disclosure. What the purpose of the Climate Transition Finance Handbook was not, was to establish taxonomies for eligible projects for those issuers to participate in their financing. That is being done elsewhere, and that was not the purpose of the Climate Transition Handbook. What was required from this handbook was more to actually allow issuers to perceive what was required of them in the context of their disclosure, and also what was required of them in terms of, say, would they have to establish their business and where their business was moving to, i.e. that it was no longer business as usual, that these were firm commitments to a transition towards a more sustainability type model. We also wanted to make clear guidance as to climate transition targets, science-based, and also the willingness to have um, transparency in the context of, say, that willingness of disclosure of information, which was then processed and available to investors in a timely manner. This is the reason and the thinking behind it, because when one thinks about transition, you need to access financing in a manner which allows you to be credible in accessing that financing. And that would mean through the existing types of instruments rather than having transition bonds. So we encouraged issuers to use the green bond market, the social bond market and the sustainable bond market 
which are use of proceeds instruments, or the relatively new sustainability-linked bonds, which are general corporate purposes. And these were designed for, in particular, hard-to-abate sectors, which didn't necessarily have shovel-ready green projects to finance. Thank you, Ketish. I'm going to turn now to Japan and to our Japanese guest, Motoko-san. Japan has chosen to issue its own official guidance on climate transition finance based on the handbook. Can you tell us more about this and how does these national guidelines fit in the Japanese regional industry mix? Uh, Thank you for your introduction. I'm Motoko Ogawa. I'm in charge of environmental finance at Ministry of Economy, Trade and Industry of Japan. Uh, We appreciate the work of ICMA as we consider transition is necessary, particularly for hard-to-abate sectors, which account for a large portion of the CO2 emissions in many countries, including Japan, and they need large investment for their decarbonization. We made Japan's guidelines in May 2021 in accordance with the ICMA handbook. Let me introduce our basic guidelines. First, we made formed a task force on preparation of an environment for transition finance with our peer authorities, namely the Financial Service Authority, FSA, and the Ministry of Environment, MOE. In the area of sustainable finance, the three ministries share the same objective. That is, transition is crucial to achieving carbon neutrality. This is a national policy. The basic guidelines on transition aligns with the ICMA's four elements. First, strategy and governance. Second, environmental materiality. Third, science-based strategy with targets and pathways. And fourth, transparency. The key is transition finance should be formed based on strategy. In other words, it is not only evaluated by investment assets and the KPIs, as just suggested by Akedish. Our guidelines share the fundamental concepts of the ICM handbook. It is true that guidelines which align with international standards are not always easily adapted by industry people due to practical reasons. It is quite understandable, but to be chosen by investors, transparency and credibility are indispensable. For example, the term just transition has not been clearly defined no, we're discussed in Japan yet, but it is a fundamental issue that we cannot neglect. Therefore, it decided to include it in the basic guidelines. Similarly, we decided that the basic guidelines require targets that cover scope three. We understand setting scope three target is not easy in all industry sectors, and there is no well-established calculation methodology, but it is becoming more of an international requirement. We discussed it in the task force and chose to keep it in line with ICM handbook. We added some original elements to our guidelines. For example, in addition to widely recognized scenario in the international community, such as IEA sustainable development scenarios, as ICM indicated, we added NDC of countries aligned with the goals of the Paris Agreement and roadmaps by industry sector formulated by public organizations. The purpose of this is to have more practical options in trajectories, which meet the goals of the Paris Agreement that the fundraisers can refer to. As indirect finance is more common in Japan, we expanded the coverage 
to loans in the basic guidelines. Thank you very much, Motoko-san. I'm now going to turn to Chris from AXA. Do you think taxonomies such as the EU one provide actionable guidance on transition for investors? Yeah, thanks, Nicholas. Uh, I'm Chris Higo. I'm the Chief Investment Officer for AXA Investment Managers, and I'm involved in developing a sustainable approach across uh, different asset classes, including our listed equity strategies and our fixed income portfolios. To answer the question, yes, I think the development of, of the taxonomies are, are really uh, important because they provide a framework which allows us to assess the sustainability of the economic activities that as investors we invest in. And this, I think, is a natural progression, really, in, in the way sustainable investment is evolving because it draws together a set of guidelines and, and regulations for a number of of stakeholders. So I think it's important for corporates because it provides clarity in terms of their own sustainability plans that companies can assess their own business model and whether the activities uh, in that business model will be classified as as sustainable or not. It's useful for asset owners because when they're targeting uh, a sustainable approach to managing uh, their balance sheet or their portfolios, We have now uh, the ability to look at a whole range of industrial economic activities and assess the suitability of those for sustainable investment. And for asset managers, it's uh, extremely important because, first of all, it allows us to have a dialogue with our own clients, the investors in our products, to assess their own sustainability goals and what's appropriate, what's an appropriate strategy for them, but also in terms of the product design. And one of the aims of the EU taxonomy, obviously, is to avoid greenwashing. And this comes down to the to the uh, investment product level, uh, where we're designing uh, sustainability funds. We have to meet certain criteria in order for those funds to be classified as uh, sustainable under the SFDR regime, which is, is part of this whole EU taxonomy, in that it defines the kind of activities that we as, as asset managers can invest in from an equity or fixed income point of view. So putting all of that together, I think the framework, uh, which is still evolving, and there's still some technical aspects to, to be developed, but it provides strong guidance, more clarity, clear regulatory framework, which I think in the end will help direct capital to those uh, sustainable activities. And the EU, for example, has been very clear about you know, the areas that it wants capital to flow to. So things like climate change mitigation, climate change adaption, uh, marine and, and water management and so on. These are environmental targets which need huge amounts of investment. And the taxonomy, I think, is a very important tool in steering the flow of capital towards investing in those, in those areas. Thank you very much. I'm going to turn again to Motoko-san. And I wanted to ask, do you think that transition finance can be a strong tool for carbon neutrality? Uh, yes, uh, definitely yes. But the uh, ICM handbook and our basic guidelines require companies to implement their net zero emission strategies and governance to secure credibility and transparency. ICMA has recently revised green bond principles and sustainability link bond principles suggest referring to the handbook for issuers who wish to finance projects towards implementing a net zero emissions strategy that is aligned with the goals of the Paris Agreement. Renewables can be financed by issuing green bonds. Transition and innovation 
are also necessary to achieve carbon neutrality, but financing is more difficult. By utilizing transition finance, we anticipate that companies can develop series of new technologies and explore their current business by shaping their expertise into profitable business source. Roadmaps by industry sector that METI has been developing have another important role. Companies which are developing their strategy can refer to best available as well as highly innovative technologies in the sector roadmaps with regard to the technologies that they are implementing or going to introduce. I'm pleased to tell you that we published the transition finance roadmap for steel and we published roadmaps for other sectors in fiscal year 2021. They are chemistry, electric power, gas, petroleum, cement, and paper pulp. While the basic guidelines show the overall requirement to transition bonds and loans, sector roadmaps, which are made as annexed to the basic guidelines, show the pathway to achieve carbon neutrality by 2050 in terms of technologies of each industry sector. The roadmaps include expected timing of the introduction of innovation based on the government policies, characteristics of technologies, and the trajectory utilizing the technologies. Also, METI supports the cost of the external review for transition finance if it is regarded as a good model which meets the requirements of the basic guidelines. We have already adapted three model cases and we expect that more cases will soon follow, which will allow for the construction of a transition finance market. I would like to emphasize that there should be a variety of paths in different sectors and they may not be the same even among companies in the same sector, as they have different areas of expertise. As transition finance is a strategy-based flexible instrument, it could address variations in the transitions. By utilizing the basic guidelines and the sector roadmaps, we consider that transition finance can encourage a consistent shift of business model and helped by more transparency and credibility. So we believe transition finance can be a strong tool for carbon neutrality. Thank you very much, Motoko-san. I'm now going to turn to Ketish again. Ketish, you, you very clearly framed the view of the Climate Transition Finance Handbook on you know, whether there should be a, a new category of bonds, you know, so-called transition bonds, and we came you know, very clearly on the other side saying, well, no, we can deploy transition finance through use of proceeds bonds, sustainability-linked bonds. But I wanted to ask you on the latter, you know, do you think sustainability-linked bonds are, are the future of transition finance? So I think one answers that question on two levels. To say, yes, sustainability-linked bonds are part of the future of transition finance, but they do not stand as the unique element of transition finance. Green bonds, social bonds, and sustainable bonds have their place within this universe as well. And they sit as a complementary product next to sustainability-linked bonds. So if one thinks of the concept of sustainability-linked bonds versus, say, green bonds as two contrasting types of bonds, green bonds are use of proceeds, which are designed to finance a specific project, and they are commitments to that project. In contrast to that, sustainability-linked bonds, first issued in 2017, were really designed as a general corporate proceeds methodology financing, 
but with commitments towards transition finance. And this was the reason why we decided that we didn't need transition bonds per se. What we had was two types of financing, use of proceeds or general corporate proceeds, but with commitments for the latter to change from business as usual, to have clearly disclosed targets, which were externally verified. Those are science-based targets, and they would be annually reviewed. And also, if targets were not met, then there would be some degree of coupon increase to compensate investors for those targets being missed. The purpose of uh, having sustainability link bonds and general corporate proceed bonds is the idea of this is to give companies which don't have specific projects to finance, but wish to transition their business model to a more sustainability and a credible sustainability pathway. This was a way to do that and be also willing to attach conditionality to that. This we find is a particularly useful instrument for hard to abate sectors, such as, for example, metals and mining, cement, um, and say, for example, the auto industry as well. We could anticipate that happening for those industries as well. One of the challenges for, say, the green bond market, social bond market, and sustainable bond market was possibly the lack of diversity in sectors which issued. With the sustainability link bond market, you now have a platform for sectors which weren't necessarily going to access that type of use of proceeds financing via general proceeds. Ketish, thank you very much. Turning back to Chris, and maybe my other guests can jump in also, how do you see the future of climate transition finance? That's a a big question, I think, and I think we could spend a lot of time talking about, about the future. Certainly from a investment management point of view, I think there are a couple of things I would say. First of all, the demand for for sustainable and and transition finance products is growing and will continue to grow from from our client base. And that is across all sectors. Uh, Traditionally, that demand has come from the institutional investment community, but increasingly more wholesale and more more retail investors are looking for uh, sustainable finance products. From a investment management point of view, I think we welcome and look forward to the further evolution of of the kind of products that that Ketish has has just talked about. And certainly the focus on on transition, I think, has to be a holistic one. We recognise that, you know, our engagement with with companies either as an equity owner or as a creditor in the fixed income space is about working with companies in their transition journey, in their achievement of their lower emission goals or or their net zero ambitions. And clearly, uh, the tools that we have to allow us to do that are are growing all the time. So we have the science-based targets. We have increased clarity in terms of disclosure uh, at the financial level on on climate-related issues. But having the instruments, either use of proceeds or or transition bonds or sustainability link bonds, I think is, is super important for us as investment managers in order to design how we uh, engage with companies and how we support that that transition. Uh, and I think that's really important. From our side, I think that the future is all about our business models change, how sustainability is even more put at the centre of what investment managers do. And that requires a, a further cultural evolution. And part of that, I think, is providing more evidence that you can target sustainability and still continue to deliver 
good risk-adjusted returns to investors. So maintaining that fiduciary responsibility, but also putting sustainability at the core of, of what we do. Some other things that I think are important about the future is obviously the ongoing regulatory guidance that, that we've seen emerging in, in Europe and, and I expect to see emerging in other parts of the world as well. But more broadly, the role of governments. We're less than a week away from the start of COP26. And I think as managers of capital and, and, and the AXA group is, a, is our owner of, of capital, we need continued guidance and, and support from governments in the policy area. So I'm looking towards you know Glasgow to see how many countries are able to deliver their updated NDCs, uh, looking for agreement on cross-border carbon issues, I'm looking for some guidance on what's going to happen with with carbon pricing in the future. All these things, I think, are very important in in determining how sustainable finance evolves and how we design investment strategies to meet some of those challenges. At a practical level, I think the focus is clearly going to be on climate and the transition and the technologies that are going to enable that transition. And and that for us as equity investors particularly is important. One of the other kind of issues that I think uh, we've already seen a lot of activity in and and I expect to see further developments is the carbon offset strategies. So either through the voluntary markets with using nature-based solutions to to provide uh, carbon credits or through an extension of the mandatory markets Uh, such as the the European ETS, because I think that has to play an important role in the overall transition. So I think there's lots to look forward to in the future of of sustainable finance. I think we'll see the continued development of instruments that allows us to direct capital in a very focused way to supporting the transition. And clearly the demand uh, from end investors for sustainable finance and financial products is growing and growing uh, exponentially. Chris, thanks for that. Motoko-san, Ketish, would you like to comment further? So I would agree with Chris's comments, Nicholas, is that this is an exciting time. The issuance levels are significantly higher than they have been at any time previously. So this year, we will have more than $1 trillion worth of um, sustainability-related issuance coming from both governments, supranational bodies, and corporates. And the breadth and the scope of the market is growing. The need for regulation is very important. I think in the context of trying to establish level playing fields for reporting and data, um, this is a quite clear need. I think one of the biggest challenges for corporates is to report data, which is generally acceptable broadly. And the establishment of internationally acceptable reporting standards for climate is key. And you can see that as happening with say the FSB and also the variety of bodies which are working together to establish um, data which is consistent and also reporting standards which are consistent as well. And if I think of say transition finance and the the need from investors to have sustainable bonds or equities uh, in their portfolios, that is only going one way and that's increasing. This wish to have more accountability is a part and parcel of this drive as well for transition finance and regulation is also driving that accountability. Final point to raise on this is that engagement is the key part of the future of sustainability. Whilst exclusions have their place and there are certain industries 
which should not be considered as part of the sustainability effort. At the same time, one should consider the ability to transition is available to the majority of sectors, and that should be done via credible frameworks, credible commitments, and credible willingness to report and disclosure. From my side, I agree with Chris was pointing about the transition process and that could be evolving new aspects to encourage more investment. And I also echo the point that Katie pointed out, the importance of engagement. Is transition finance should help the engagement not the divestment, but the encourage our companies to move forward to the carbon neutrality. So this transition finance could help the companies to shape up their uh, new strategies to fit into the, to reduce the uh, carbon emission and explore the new uh, service and technology to fit into the new management style, including the sustainability aspect. Thank you. Thank you very much, everyone. Many, many thanks on ICMA's behalf. Thank you for listening. For more ICMA podcasts and further information on capital markets, please visit our website, icmagroup.org.